Welcome to Fit Fat Chat. That's fat with a PH. We are a super funky, fresh, real talk community podcast about body positivity, movement, mindfulness, joy, and whatever else the hell we want to talk about. Hosted by Ayanna Parent, aka Black Addict of Be Free Coaching and Wellness, and me, Christy, aka Big Red of Dance Fitness with Christy L. Ray. And away. Hey guys, we're so excited about this episode. We're going to talk about a lot of different things, but we are really excited to have um, our one of our favorite people as a guest, and her name is Jenny Wheeler. She is the, what would you call your title? Of? Co-founder and director of. Co-founder and director of the Family Table Collaborative, and you're going to hear the whole story about how that's come about. Um, so we're so excited to have you. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. My favorite topic is social justice and food. I like how that intersects in this, and we'll just tie it all in. Do you, want, got a story. you want me to get into my story in this? I think, I think in terms it's... of how it impacts how you are operating in the world and totally be authentic to who you are. I survived a suicide attempt. That's like ultimately the end of my, okay. that's how I ended up on Cape Cod. All so, right. Yeah. Yeah. Like it got real, real. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> she that told it real, to the real. coaches. It was like the best coaching fucking weekend of my life. And so they go where they were mm-hmm. so impacted in a good way. I definitely have like a, if it can happen to, like, if it can happen to me, it can happen to anyone. Yep. Because people don't see that shit coming. But literally, um, I had a doctor tell me that the healthcare system let me down because after sustaining a brain injury, no one talked to me that the number one side effect of a brain injury is um, depression and anxiety. And I grew up in a pretty Absolutely. holistic household and like literally barely took Tylenol. I had been a national level athlete, you know, glass half full person, never had any, I had never dealt with anything with, you know, depression, anxiety, nothing like that. Yeah. So, you know, how do you self-diagnose that shit when you're already in trauma? Like, yeah. Um, no, I don't know if you know, but I run group homes for people with brain injuries, so I'm very familiar with oh. brain injury, and that is so true. Like, the medical system, just that. No, the doctor literally, when I, because I, I was held, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, because yeah. I was found breathing but unconscious, I was held on a three-day cycle, hold. and um, that's the scariest, that's probably the scariest couple of days of my life, because yeah. I woke up angry, really pissed. Mm. And like that's also not that's, a survival that's not skill, I was gonna say it's yeah. not my like yeah, it's, it's not, not who you something are. I'm right. naturally yeah. and was like how the hell did I get here mm-hmm. and you know literally the doctor said you know I and I'm super grateful for this actually because the doctor said um, look you know I believe the I believe that the medical system has let you down and you know based on both not talking to me about depression and anxiety coming as a side effect to a brain injury, but then also knowing that my accident came six weeks after my third successive significant miscarriage, I already might have been dealing with some emo- like some hormonal issues that, again, I was not aware of because nobody talks about miscarriages. So six or weeks hormones. later, I fall through a tub. And yeah. then... The brain injury, the orthopedic injuries. So now, in order to try and treat me, they're putting me on all of these medications. Shit. Yeah, Scary. and so and I've never really taken a lot of medications, and so like literally the um, you know the some of the medications I was being placed on to try and deal with all the totality of the injuries had known suicidal side effects mm-hmm. or possible suicidal side effects, and no one talked to me about that. So it culminated in me, I was packed, supposed to be on a 6 a.m. flight to my best friend's house in Miami. I was supposed to land there at 9, like 20. She landed in Boston a little after 11 with me unconscious in the hospital. And she is a doctor. Talked to me that day. She has known me for 30, you know, now almost 35 years. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> literally no one saw it coming. And... I don't know how you can, but like when I woke up, I was like, how, how did this happen? Like, you know, and I wrote a note, took a handful of pills and checked out and then woke up and was like, what the fuck? (laughs) What? Um, So the crazy part is that, you know, honestly, some of why and how I operate now actually came from um, 
my experience because, you know, for a kid that kind of did it all right, right, you know, MBA from Babson, national level swimmer, like all the things, um, they actually told me that, uh, and it feels weird to say this, but like they told me that intelligent people sometimes have a harder time with brain injuries Mm. because they have not previously had to ask for help. So and much so sense. Oh my God. learning so 100% true. to ask for help and learning to acknowledge that like help isn't a bad word. Um, and you also have insight. So insight leads to depression because some people who have brain injuries have lose that insight and they're happier. So having insight oh, interesting. is not a, always a blessing. It's a, it's a mixed blessing. Yeah. Yeah. And, best. and the doctor told me, um, the head of psychi- psychiatry at Tufts told me that my understanding and uh, ability from a brain standpoint of like understanding that something really bad happened and that most things kind of came back, but not everything came back the same way. So my level of frustration mm-hmm. was through the roof. Because when you're used to having things, certain things come easily, and then they don't, um, it becomes very difficult. But the bigger part that I feel like has impacted me coming out of it, particularly with my work here, is that I ended up basically in the system having to deal with, you know, (laughs) I have a brain injury, I'm having difficulty reading, and... They're giving me packets of 20 pages of paperwork. Oh, yeah. It's so and you're like, oh, oh my God. What? Like, I- I'm sorry. Like, do you not understand? Yeah. <laughs> like, I- I'm like, okay. And I really generally was like, uh, often I asked, I have the educational background, right. the intelligence, the whatever, but I'm dealing with a brain injury and I'm struggling at a level that is like through the roof. <sighs> I can't imagine somebody that doesn't have right. the skills that I had even navigating this. Like, and I had people trying to help me. Like, I see a grant for my business. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. crazy. Like, absolutely crazy. And so, um, you know, most people don't realize I, you know, I came to Cape Cod because of Spalding. I spent the first two years of my life here, four days a week at, um, at Spalding in, you know, they connected me to a um, a brain injury support group, and I will never forget the the head of psychiatry at Tufts said, "Jenny, I don't think you need like a lot of the different types of supports that people would look at coming out of what would be a traditional version of suicide, as if that's a thing, because every <laughs> right. situation is, is different, right? Right. However, he said." I'd like to help you with the things that I do think you could use help in. And that has stuck with me because you really, you don't know what you don't know. So getting those resources that actually focus on what your needs are, the brain injury support group. Like, I mean, I cried the entire time I was at my first meeting Mm -hmm. I probably like they should have sat me in a corner because I was practically in a fetal position sobbing because people were talking about like nine years in all of this stuff I was like five six months in Mm. and you know but part of it also came from you know I had to this injury these injuries I sustained took away my last chance at having kids. Mm -hmm. So besides everything else, I mean, I can't imagine if I had been pregnant and lost a baby because of this fall. But, like, the Mm -hmm. idea that it took away my last chance at trying to have kids, um, that's a tough one. That doesn't go away. (laughs) No. It doesn't go away. No. So it kind of sticks with you. Every Mother's Day. Oh, Probably. everything. I can relate to that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Everything. Yep. yep. Every time one of your friends has a kid or yep. you know, your family has kids. Yep. Like, people ask you when you're going to have kids. People, it's so, yeah. It's totally so hard. That. It's mm-hmm. so hard. And, and look, I'm, I, I, there are plenty of people that 
don't want to have children for any number of reasons, and I completely support that. I just wasn't one of them. So, you know, it's one of those things where it's like kind of an extra impact of the injuries I sustained and the timing. Um, so, totally. yeah, it it's was such gender significance, too. It's mm-hmm. just kind of like your identity. Yeah, totally. Um, and it's taken me a long time, you know, starting the I like to say my I felt like I got deported to Cape Cod. <laughs> Welcome. Oh my God. Isn't that an interesting way to say it? <laughs> I literally felt like I got deported. Um, my entire support structure, everything I knew, everything was completely decimated. All the people mm-hmm. that I expected and thought, not all, a lot of the people I expected and thought would show up didn't. Um, and I like to say at this point in time, my best friend's parents saved my life. I genuinely don't believe I would be here if they had not intervened. Like, I just, I don't think I could have navigated it if they had not legitimately taken me to Cape Cod. Right. <laughs> um, deported and, you. And deported me. Um, and gave me the support with just enough tough love to force me to find steps, um, you know, give me a safety net, but really pushed me at a time that I didn't think I had, I, I wasn't even sure I was going to survive. Like I didn't see how I could survive. I, you know, I had, so lonely. it's, it's so isolating. Yeah. yeah. It's so isolating as I was dealing with very heightened noise sensitivities, light mm. sensitivities. I was in earplugs and stuff. I would go out, I would try and go outside just for a little bit and you think it's quiet and all of a sudden all I can hear as if it's deafening are tr- leaves rustling, the, like, as if the oh, blades of grass are rubbing against one another, a fly going by. It was like it was, my level of sensitivity to everything was heightened. I had developed a pain syndrome in my elbow I lived, you know, two plus years in an arm brace that had like a shock system built into it. That alone will cause mm-hmm. severe depression. That level yeah. of stimulation without oh, yeah. having control. Yeah. The body literally shuts down because it, it has no other mm-hmm. and that's exactly what happened. way to exist. Yep. My body would shut down without any warning and I would have nothing, no say. Right. <laughs> and that lack of control lack over of control. your own body feels really significant oh yeah i'm with you happening right now (laughs) (laughs) you you kind of feel like your body is betraying you yes it's like you're like dude i fucking work hard to like keep this shit together and it's so true and and i ask for help and i'm still not getting what i need and so then the body shuts down even more well because i think it's both body and mind yeah like it's that cohesive when you get so overwhelmed that you either can't get the support or you can't figure out what's going on or you can't, you know, even when you've done all the work, like I say this to people, you know, going into the pandemic, creating the Family Table Collaborative, it was almost a little bit, I don't want to make it sound funny, but I was like, oh, I got you people. I've been through my own personal pandemic. I've come out the other yeah, side. Right. I have got this. I don't know what the fuck's about to happen, but I got you covered. <laughs> yeah. like, I'm on it. I'm on it. And even what, what does anyone need? I got it. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can do this. I'm like, I already. For the I, entire community. <laughs> Literally. The entire community. Yeah. Not just yeah. one person or one group. It's like, yeah, we're going to feed Cape Cod. So. <laughs> well, I think what made it more relevant is like, you know, I had. I like to say my best friend's parents saved my life. When I ran Faith Family Kitchen, it introduced a life back to me. Mm. It made me recognize that I still had something to give at a time when I felt like I had nothing to give. I love that. I love that. I love that. Literally. And, of course, I was working predominantly with um, the homeless population and working with them and having gone through, and of course, no one, you know, outside of the arm brace that you could see, most people didn't know. I was not capable of telling my story yet, of talking about it. Because, okay, let's be clear, stigma, 
Um, yeah. Who the hell wants to talk about your darkest days? Like what? Like right. I'm like. Um, okay. Let me tell you about my trauma. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, let's just peel back that onion and take a look at how fucked up the story is. <laughs> okay, sure. Yeah. Let me like put that, put all that shit out there. Like, no, nobody wants to. And part of what I think has happened is I've gotten really comfortable with being uncomfortable. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's the bottom line of scary. how I can do what I do. But it really, Faith Family Kitchen put me in front of a ton, a huge volunteer base. And so learning to ask for help and allowing people made me realize like, okay, I do still have something to give. Maybe it's different than what I was capable of before. Um, I still wasn't at a place where I felt like, sure, good. Yeah, this this journey is definitely going to turn out on the positive side. I wasn't there yet. Um, however, it started to give me a path back. It introduced me to being able to live again. Mm. I still was dealing with a lot of the trauma. I was still dealing with the pain and the side effects, but I was at least able to like start to walk a path that gave me hope. That's awesome. And that is a super big deal because I did not feel like I had any hope. And that's a very dangerous place to be sitting. Mm-hmm. And nothing good comes if you lose hope. So it gave me hope. And then fa- Family Table Collaborative. It kind of empowered you too, besides the it hope. Did. It seemed, seems like that's where you found some strength of your own. Well, my strength was actually in the fact that I had something to give to others. Mm-hmm. Like, when I felt like I had nothing to give, finding a way to give gave me a purpose, which gave me hope, which gave me strength. Interesting. Like, it That's really, an interesting way to put it. Yeah, I mm-hmm. love it. Yes. And that led to find, founding the Family Table Collaborative. Yeah. And that gave me me back. Mm. Oh, my Beautiful. God. So good. The... um. The hope piece is fascinating to me because if you, like, if I were to ask you, where does hope live in your body, what would you say? My heart. Yeah. Right. Which got you out of your head. Yes. Which is what Yeah. makes people function. Absolutely. Honestly. Absolutely. <laughs> so I love that you said it that way because obviously it'd be free not to, like, weave that in. But that's yeah. when I say we we're really... Gonna- we really give people hope. <laughs> yes. it, it, it is because it comes from the heart, which is the muscle that actually yes. com- it creates joy and 100%. and all of those things. But it's located in the body. And for people to really be able to understand that you got to get out of the head, but back in the heart 100%. is a game changer. I had named my company that I was building before I had this accident. I had named my company Jenny's Joy. Yep. And after my accident, that became a taunt. I bet. Because, right, it's it like looking in the mirror of like, oh, my God. Yep. yep. A taunt. Totally get it. It became a taunt. And it was so really hard for wow. me because mm-hmm. when I formed Jenny's Joy, I had turned 40, was single, no kids, had made my peace with that, and was like, okay, what do I want to do with myself? Like, what do I want to do with my life? Like, if I, if it's the me, myself, and I show, which was never the plan, like, what do I want to do with that? And so I created Jenny's Joy originally as a gluten-free food brand because my dad and my sister have to be gluten-free. And it because cooking brings me such joy. I grew up in a very holistic household. We had huge gardens when I was little. We, you know, we did a lot of very fresh farm to table before that phrase existed. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, <laughs> you were the OGs. <laughs> farm to table OGs. Yeah, exactly. I love it. <laughs> totally. So good. Totally. I was eating rhubarb and like, oh, wow. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> everyone's like, oh my God, that makes my mouth pucker just having you say that. I was like, I love tart. Like I'd go out with buckets to like pick raspberries and it would be like one in the bucket, five in my mouth. <laughs> yes. <laughs> My grandmother was like, you're going to turn into a raspberry. And, but we, I mean, I think literally the first time I had processed food, it was like when I was like nine, <laughs> my mother made everything. So it was one of those really, you know, and, and, and I probably did have some before that, but like, it was really rare. Mm-hmm. And so because I grew 
grew up in a household like that, you know, that always was important to me. Fresh produce. I always was taught like fresh, fresh, fresh. Um, but I had no idea how rare that was even back when I was growing up. And now we're, you know, almost three generations away from when most people used to cook. Microwaves, the number one cooking, you know, device in the country. And we live in a society that is, you know, high salt, high fat, high preservatives, you know, and the reality, high sugar. And, you know, unfortunately, economic, you know, economics dictate quite a bit. But convenience dictates just as much. Oh, yeah. So true. I am so guilty of that as well. We all are, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) But the thing is, you have to understand, we have caused this. Yeah, Mm -hmm. right. It's not just internal. It's external. Absolutely. So, like, this is where, like, we have to, like, look at it and own it. Because the reality is, you know, I'm not saying necessarily any one of us sitting here caused it. But the reality is you can track this back no shame, no blame, right? right? World War II, where the only, you know, developed country in the world that modifies our wheat sources. That was a horrible what? idea. Um, but the reality is, like, you know, you can understand the thought process. You're going to war. You're trying to feed all of these people. You need, yep. like, I get it, but it was a very bad idea. Um, then you do go to war. You create things like, you know, everyone convening around a TV for the first time, right, to watch updates. Everyone's gone to work. So now you see the microwave coming into play. You see these, like, hungry man TV dinners, all of this stuff, and you start to move towards convenience and preservatives. And unfortunately, that instead of being like, okay, wow, this is like a dangerous path, instead of going that way, we were like, oh, let's lean in. (laughs) And all of a sudden, you know, you've got the significant upcrop of, you know, fast food, of eating in your car. And we've, you know, we're a society that has no real reverence for food. We do not have the historical, the cultural, um, backdrop of revering food of treating it as fuel as treating it as joy as Mm. treating it as such and so except maybe in an addictive manner i mean that you know yes i think that's the connection i'm seeing is that so many food additives are literally in there to get us addicted to it so that's the only joy i'm in a bad mood and i eat a whole cake (laughs) (laughs) is that what you're referring to i i might have been hinting at that a little bit I had visions of her having a cake in one hand and a pint of ice cream. Like I did on my birthday when I was like, thank you. And I like shuffled away with like my wobble because we just did the wobble. And so I was like literally wobbling away with the cake while the kids in the room were like. But you have to realize that's on purpose. Like, I mean, the reality is, again, talk about marketing, right? We live in a society where even under medical guidance, most under most cases, they would rather medicate you because of big pharma versus address oh the root my cause. God, and seriously. if you do not address food as medicine, food as a root cause that could Amen. Actually- Amen. <laughs> this is what Amen. Chrissy tells me like every <laughs> yes. day because I have lots of physical issues and Chrissy's like, yep. And here's how you so solve it. <laughs> and none of it is medication. It's no. all how I feel my body and supplements and water and timing of food. And, and sleep and sleep, in ways to rest naturally. Rest and digest. Yes, 100%. Yep. And this yep. is where, unfortunately, when you're looking at, you know, issues around food access and food, you know, again, back to part of my story as much as, don't get me wrong. Five and a half years later, I still 100% could never say I would ever, ever, ever under any circumstances want to relive what I have been through. Mm-hmm. However, I have found a way to take gifts away from that journey. Mm-hmm. And I nice. think that that is super important in why and how I can operate the way I do today. However, one of those things is I spent six months on food stamps. 
And that is something like nobody wants to talk about, right? Mm -hmm. Like I spent, because going into the system and trying to figure out how to navigate the brain injury stuff and all of this stuff. So the way it works is so messed up. There isn't a sliding scale about how much you get. It doesn't apply for to everything. So a lot of times it is lesser quality food. Now, the addition of farm stand and stuff like that yeah. and the doubling of dollars if you go to farm is yeah. amazing. Yeah. And, and, it's really cool. And literally, I, I want to give credit where credit is due. That is amazing. Mm-hmm. But the reality is we also live in a food system that's just simply broken. Yeah. 40% of all food in the United States doesn't make it to a table. You know, the reality is no one needs to be eating the vast majority of the type of way they eat. And unfortunately, people who are most at risk or groups that are most at risk, seniors on fixed income, people who, you know, are financially struggling, the qualification mark has dropped significantly with COVID, which can be a plus. However, again, and this isn't this isn't an attack on the pantries because the pan, there are people working to do really great work within the pantries, but the pantries work within a broken system. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so the reality is they're structured, they're, they're, they can only do by the guidelines that are set, right? And now you're talking legislation, you're talking policy. So this is a whole different world. Part of the reason we have been able to do what we've been able to do is we work kind of outside those lines, right? Right, right. So whereas the pantries are not allowed to give out a bruised apple for what it says to the person, what it implies that you're less than to the person who's getting it, but we're totally okay with giving out boxes of sawdust mac and cheese exactly. that have absolutely no nutritional value oh and can work to hurt your health. Thank you. Is batshit crazy? So I mean, crazy. it's just like, Amen. Yes. I mean, like talk about a lack of common sense. Like, I'm like, wait a second, oh how did God. that ever get? So we care more about like actually now we're like, well, we're going to say you're less than if we give you something. I, you know, I to Whole Foods Market is one of my community partners. We're partnered with, uh, for the Family Table Collaborative, we're partnered with the Fishermen at Large, Fishermen's Alliance, um, the local farms, and Whole Foods Market. We take in almost 100 cases of food from Whole Foods every week. Wow. Amazing. Well, amazing, but also kind of sad. Because <laughs> like what's happening? <laughs> my volunteers come in. It's the most impactful thing somebody can see, is to come in and see the food that we're taking, that the pantries can't Oh, take. I see what you're saying. They can't take, because it's not like they're just giving to us. They still give to all of these other agencies, but they're not allowed to take the fresh because of refrigeration and because of the dates and because... And I literally look at this stuff, I and mean, when you when you see it, it's mind-boggling. And I say to my volunteers all the time, can you imagine that all of this would be thrown out? Thrown out. I know. Thrown out. I know. So we take it in, and what we do is we then figure out what we can use for the Family Table Collaborative. And then we take things like, you know, the berries, for example. Mm-hmm. Organic strawberries, blueberries, blackberries, right? One one week I think we got twelve cases of organic cherries. We 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 loved it. We love to call this like an ingredient of the week. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Holy crap, we're getting tidal waved with a specific ingredient. But the thing is, is like when was the last time you guys went to the grocery store and bought like a thing of berries right. you get home and without fail, the middle one is moldy. Right. <laughs> yeah. right. right. Like literally it happens to every single one of us. So like after paying full price <laughs> for those fruits that are great for you, if that happens in the grocery stores and Whole Foods has the highest level of pull dates, like the most aggressive pull dates of anyone, they all come to me. Should we really throw all of that out? So my mm-hmm. teams take them, dump them into colanders, pick out all of the ones right. that are mold, repackage them, and put them right back out to agencies that interface with families. We have distributed nice. over 25,000 pounds of fresh produce in addition to the 100,000 prepared meals 
all of that would have been wasted. So we tend to look at things as a life cycle. I went after the whole ecosystem of food when I looked at this because I had no desire to be a program. I didn't want to, right. like, <laughs> if I was going to do this, I wanted to, like, do something that I felt, like, really made a difference. I, and I wanted to go after sustainable change. And that's hard. Mm-hmm. Sustainable change is hard. Mm-hmm. And working for sustainable change in a system that is horribly broken is even harder. However, to me... It makes it worthwhile, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know. Some days. Why? I'm going to write it. Because. I'm looking because, around like. Because uh, hmm. why, why not choose to beat your head against a wall? <laughs> Some days I can find me. Other days not so much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but the reality is, is that food rescue. So you're reducing waste on the first thing. You're keeping it from being waste from the get-go. So you've got food rescue. Then it's the what we do with that food that really isn't happening very many places. Because even places that are turning around and giving out fresh produce, the prepared meals piece of what we do is huge. And I'll explain why in one second. But then we pass out anything we're not going to use. We put it right back out to agencies that interface directly with families. Then whatever can't be saved or used, we compost. So we recycle the plastic, we compost, we recycle the plastic, we recycle the cardboard from the banana boxes, and we compost anything that isn't able to be used for whatever reason with Pelham Farm. So the thing is, is that we close the cycle. So Mm -hmm. even within waste reduction, that has a climate impact. It has like, so there's a bigger picture that we're talking about. But the food piece, that middle piece is obviously my heart and soul, and why this matters and why the Family Table Collaborative says we're attempting to increase nutritional security on Cape Cod, utilizing prepared meals and education, mm-hmm. is because we are a society that is now so deeply entrenched in convenience that you can't say to people, well, you know, you really should eat better and you should cook everything at home and you should do all of these things. Well, what the fuck? Do you not know I don't have time for this? And you're going to preach to me? Like, no. So giving somebody with where we're at, you have to meet people where they're at. And I don't care if that's volunteers. I don't care if it's people we're feeding. You have to meet them where they're at and you have to make them feel good about it. Like you have right. to stigmatize it. You need to make it a little fun. You need to not make a it A lot of fun. You got to make it a lot of fun because food is fun, food honestly, is fun. and it's joyful. Damn it. Because your body yes. your body does love it. <laughs> it does, and you feel better. Like, but the reality is, is like you gotta make it fun. Like mm-hmm. if you're gonna if you feel like you're getting lectured, you know, obviously I'm incredibly passionate about what I do. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is that there's a reason why love is always our secret ingredient has resonated with people. Right. Why people want to come and talk with us and like why we've made it acceptable. I mean, can I tell you how many people ask me, well, how do you qualify? Who gets your meals? And I'm like, I will never qualify who gets my meals. Same thing for it's be free. Where this, Yeah. How do you qualify oh. for who accesses your free services? <laughs> <laughs> that was my white well, man voice. Yeah. Yeah. Did you like right? that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. That's just to so me. contra capitalism. Yes. I mean, I'm like, we so don't. We don't. And right. I've never asked for somebody's tax form. Like, yeah. no, no. Right. You are welcome here. Whatever economic level, whoever you are, you right. say, tell me you can't pay. And like, that takes away barriers. Trust. And man, that, I'm, I'm, I trust feel like you. what you came across when you got your brain injury, what we come across in running a uh, nonprofit is that there's all these systematic barriers 100%. that are there. And it's just so refreshing to, to have well, and this is where, a model where you don't. I think this right. is like, where when Ayana and I met, we were like, ooh, ooh. Yeah. Oh, ooh, wow, I think I just found one of my people. <laughs> well, it's like the same language. I'm just like body yeah. movement and your fuel. Absolutely. It's yeah. all about what the way we structure things are the same. And this is what I think I told the coaches that were so amazing about you and me, which is different, I think, than other people, is that we also, though, can resonate with everyone because body movement heart and food is across the board 
racial, economic, political people can understand yes, those things. Absolutely. However, we're still very political in our views and will not tolerate things like racism or Of course. And but we will highly support equity around all of those issues. And but because it also it so we can everyone. everyone right and so we have power where other people may not in in those realms like we can certainly reach people that are Republican let's say in a different way but also people that wait are, you give food to Republicans just hundred percent we do <laughs> <laughs> I was with you when we did it once wait the people <laughs> sorry Republicans. <laughs> You get, you deserve food too. This is <laughs> You know what? You know what's hilarious about this though is like people ask me this and you know the reality is I'm really clear with this. You don't get to politicize food. Right. Like you don't get to politicize food. I did, but we don't get to, we was I was kidding. <laughs> we got you. We got you, girl. Smackdown. You don't get to politicize food. Love Not that. on my watch. And the thing is, is that the reality is for everything all of us do. First of all, for certainly for Ayana and I, our I think the part of the reason our messaging resonates. And part of the reason we have been successful in talking to such a wide swath of people across economic divides, across cultural divides, across everything, right, is because both of us come from a place of both experiencing mm -hmm. all of these things. Yep. And that adds, I think, a level of sincerity and realness yeah. that you can't make up. Like, right, there's right. just, unfortunately... I think both Ion and I would say some days, unfortunately, yes, <laughs> right. You can't make this shit up. I know, <laughs> I know. And survival, like the, we have a level of survival around all, again all these themes that we work with, that other people can resonate, even though they're not living out loud like that. Well, and mm -hmm. I think I think even more so, it's because we refuse to allow survival to be like this end place because our journeys continue yep. you and I both have spoken somewhat openly yes that as much as people view us as want to paint a wonder woman a this a that <laughs> Ayana and I look at each other and are like, oh, Jesus, <laughs> it's, it's so hard. It's hard work going back to you. Yeah. I don't want to do it. Yes, right. yes. It's and there's like days where we... It's like fire yeah. and holding buckets of water. Yes. Back in <laughs> but it does. I also feel like it's a way for people to put it on a pedestal and, and wash their hands of yes. it. Like, right. you're the superwoman. Yes. Doing it all and like yes. you know, I tell them no. Come <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it's it true. <laughs> I mean, like Ayana knows. I I deal with you know significant anxiety. I there are many nights I go home and cry, feeling mm -hmm. like I might never be able to do enough. That you absorb it. Too. Yeah. Of course I do. I mean, it's it's a very real, tactile. I interface with people all day long, and you know my. Close friends refer to my online presence as Jazz Hands Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> jazz Hands are my favorite. Right? You, you she's, a jazz I mean, she's a dancer. I mean, she's a dancer. However, jazz I am quick to remind people. <laughs> I really feel like it's important for people to understand nobody has the capacity to operate at that level all the time. Oh, my God. And it. You know, it's not even healthy. It's absolutely it's not, right? no. not healthy, no. but it's not realistic. And no. I think again, also in a, true in a society driven by so much like social media and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Right? There is this perception. We build a persona, and as much as I absolutely want to be able to reach as many people as I want, and good God, I love what I do at a level that I feel every person should get to experience that joy. And man, oh man, do I not take that for granted because as somebody who literally didn't think she could ever find joy again, the idea that my path has allowed me to look at things differently, experience things differently, and bring to bear both my skill set with my experience meets my passion, 
my best friend, like I said, she is a doctor. She's been my best friend for almost 35 years. She took my breath away maybe six, eight months ago when she said to me, Jenny, and again, I remind you, my, title, my name of my company became this massive taunt for a lot of years in this process. She looked at me and said, Jenny, there is nothing more Jenny's joy than everything you're doing right now. And it mm. literally, like, almost brought me to tears. Yeah. Because I hadn't, it just, the way it came, I was like, It was wow. like you embodied it without even realizing it. Yeah. Instead of putting it out there and trying to live up to it. Right. Right. I yeah. actually. That's awesome. I actually feel it. Like, mm-hmm. I live it now and I think that you know but as I as much as I like love 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 what I do at a level that again everybody should be allowed to you know feel that at some point in time in their life and again I think that's something else like Americans don't that's not something that we care it's like how do you perceive success it's such a narrowly defined thing and I do Mm -hmm. think this is one of the good things that came out of COVID was like that got broadened a lot, I think. People started to recognize what life was doing to them. And all of a sudden, it seems like it brought it back a little bit, which I think is a huge positive. But the other yeah. thing is, I have the gift of doing, I'm blessed to be the face of the Family Table Collaborative, but I am not the engine. The engine that makes it run is the over 200 volunteers mm. that show up, that do the things that we need to do to get this done. And that's why a lot of places don't do what we do. It takes a lot of work, a lot of manpower, and a reimagining of how the food system could and should look like. Mm. So for me, the ability to having the, the, the experience as horrible as some of it was and how traumatizing and how debilitating and parts of that have led to being able to look at things a little differently and also being real clear you can't judge somebody oh god because that is something you know if I didn't tell this story nobody would look at me today I deal with still I still deal with issues around eating reading because of the issues with that were impacted between my brain and my eyes with the head injury. And I was a voracious reader, so it's highly frustrating. It's much harder for me to do, requires so much more focus. Nobody would see that. And I, again, I'm lucky. I have a capacity to do an awful lot in my head. Mm-hmm. But again, people don't see it. I still have a nerve injury in my right elbow. I don't have the grip strength in my right hand. I can't fully extend my right arm. Things that people wouldn't necessarily notice, yep. but still, that I still live with. And so that comes with like a plus and a big minus sometimes. Because sometimes when you're struggling, you know, as much as you're like, wow, I'm grateful that people can't see stuff most days. <laughs> then there are do- those days yeah. that you want to wear a sign saying, still a little broken. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, today, very broken. <laughs> Leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> but I have to be here because someone's got to do this. <laughs> but, right? Like, there are those days you wish you could just be, like, a little broken. Okay, maybe a little more than a little yeah. broken. <laughs> maybe you shouldn't come within five feet of me today. Yeah. <laughs> like, and and mm-hmm. the thing is, that's all of us. But yeah, it's you know, all of us. By the way, all of these things, particularly around food security and nutritional security, are amplified on Cape Cod because we all know this. I mean, Ayana and I just both dealt with this. The housing system. Mm-hmm. I just yeah. found year-round yeah. housing. Oh, I mean, oh, the I'm amount of did. stress and anxiety oh. that alone. And causes. even when I found it, now it's the expensive most expensive thing I've, that I have to probably look for. Less expensive. Yeah. And that is stressful. It's mm-hmm. very stressful. Yeah, I mean, I had to take it because I had no choice, but I knew in the long run, like, this ain't going to fly. For yeah, this is right. This is a short term gain. Right. Sure. A ba- what I fondly refer to as a band aid. Right. And right. band aids. Mm-hmm are great when we put them on and suck when we have to rip them off. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> Heard. Yes. Yes. Exactly. So, you know, it's, you know, it's the stress and anxiety around trying to do the housing thing down here. And then on top of that, you know, the cost of living is higher, the salaries are lower, you know, and that leaves an awful lot of people in flux because, you know, you have a national poverty level. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes you have state poverty levels, but the reality is there's no sliding scale that makes a difference for cost of living. So the reality is you're on the same scale as like a rural, you know, so when your cost of living is three times as high, but the bar doesn't change, you actually are far more, there's far more people, what I refer to as living in the gap on Cape Cod. Yeah. They're working poor, they're struggling, and I mean, this this includes Ayana. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, yeah, we're I mean, not yeah. immune to it Absolutely. at all. Like, but it's like, you know, you can be educated, employed, all of these things, but still yep. find it very difficult. And then, hell, try and deal with childcare on top of that and right. all of this stuff. And so, again, all of this breeds some depression, anxiety, fear. All of those things impact how we feel mentally and physically. Mm-hmm. And food is at the base. And unfortunately, with that whole convenience thing, it's like we're in a terrible downward spiral here. Healthier people make healthier communities. I don't care who wants to come get my meals. Right. If you feel like you need a little extra love, come find me. I literally I said to Jenny yeah, the other day. I, what, I mean, it's just like, this I was is like, like guys. I was like, this apartment is so expensive and food is so expensive. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to be coming to you for food. Like, I just don't have a choice. Like, Instead of going through a drive I just don't you know even, I mean? yeah. yeah. But I'm you know gonna, what's sad? I'm just going to get out. <laughs> but this is the thing. So like, and that is 100% why we're here, right? We'll never replace the pantries for the basics and all this stuff. That's not what we're trying to do. But we absolutely can work with people already in this space trying to do really good work, right, and amplify them in a way they cannot do internally because of those regulations, because of what's happening. And yet we have the ability to increase that nutritional security. And by the way, we have a lot of resources on Cape Cod. We are so blessed to have natural resources in the fishing industry, in the farms, in these things that are right here on Cape Cod. So that ability to be local, local, local with it is also just such an added bonus, right? And it's just, I mean, this is what we need to do. But when you have research that talks about things like, you know, a parent, like there was the, I can't remember the name of the study, But this whole thing done on uh, talking with parents around, you know, food quality and stuff like that and almost like criticizing them Mm. for allowing their kid to get like that candy bar at the checkout. And this legitimately like made me cry when I was working through this. The parents basically looked at them and were like, you don't think we know that's not a good choice? You don't think we know that getting a Happy Meal is not a good choice, (laughs) but here's the deal. If you have to say no to your kid all day, every day, for everything, because you can't afford all the things, when given a tiny opportunity to say yes, you do, and you know it's not good for them, but just that one little word saying yes to something. And I'm like, well, if that isn't heart-wrenchingly, like, horrible, I don't know what is. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, it's a terrible situation. And we have created it. Like, we have created it. There is more than enough food in the United States to feed everyone. Honestly, seriously. Like, (laughs) I wish people understood that. It's, this is not, like, this does not have to be this way. And this is where... For me, if you live in a world where you can honestly stand by and say the guidelines, what's be- happening, what's being done is good enough, I call bullshit. Mm-hmm. 
My oh, answer is just shit. hell no. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> hell no. It's not. We could and should be doing better. We need to do better. Yeah. And that is the basis of everything I do. Is like, look, I'm not saying, you know, everything is bad. You're not trying to throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? right? However, and I don't know where that saying came from. <laughs> I know. So I was like, wait, what? So weird. It's like, I, I'm like, I think I borrowed that from my grandmother. <laughs> However, the farm. I am not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. There are a lot of great organizations doing great work, but we need to do better and we need to be able to do programs like ours and not just here. I'm trying to set a model that can be used in other locations, that can be used for other issues, right? It doesn't mm -hmm. have to be replicatable exactly, but if we're the doing this with mm -hmm. one small part of this big world, think about what we could do differently to help solve some of these problems. And, you know, food is just, it's but one of them, but it's a really important it really is. It and, is a really um, important. The level of preservatives in non-food and fake food and low-quality food that we take in. And by the way, salt is one of the biggest problems, particularly as people get older. So when we get from a multitude of people, salt's the only spice you can get at the pantries. Sometimes pepper, but like Right, and it's not high-quality salt. salt. No, it's, it's, like not, Morton it's not the salt Himalayan salt with, that yeah. Christy makes me drink every morning with <laughs> extra points if I put lime or lemon with my um, whatever that stuff, other stuff is. What is it? The cider, the apple. Apple cider apple vinegar. vinegar. I did it ACB. this morning. Uh, and it, by the it way, actually, JT will tell you that uh, JT will tell you that that is why he looks the way it's he looks. It changed my life. Because he takes apple, cider, apple vinegar. cider vinegar The mother with the mother. Day. Oh, my God. God, no, it was funny. Like, it was, it hit me a the little bit. Well, it felt like a shot because, first of all, the salt, I had lime and not, so I was like, well, that's kind of like, a, that was like a tequila that's shot. Totally. Tequila. I was like, woo, what just happened? Um, okay, and then you can amplify it by adding a little bit of cayenne and turmeric. Oh, Ooh, I didn't even go there yet. Oh, yeah. I'm doing it. Cayenne and turmeric. And, and ginger. Got, oh, ginger is mm -hmm. another oh, one. You Guys, so tomorrow morning. Um, let me tell you what, though. It's an elixir. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Peel me off the ceiling. Well, Holy shit. It did more than coffee because I was like, <laughs> I did all my things. Your energy level. Set your senses on fire. I was yeah. like, what is this? Right. And these Hello. are like super simple, inexpensive things that I've learned about that I'm like, why doesn't everyone know this? <laughs> right. Like, and it was health fun. Is yeah. not, proactive health is just not a no, priority. It's, it's reacting not. to things once you're already broken, once Correct. you're already Correct. so bad that you cannot do anything yourself. And often and then, that's only after we medicate the shit out of it. Right. 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 <laughs> right. Let's either. Why, why talk right. food when we're talking like diabetes and all of these diseases let's talk drugs first right and then we'll work in food later right. i'm like what? and then there's self-medication <laughs> even beyond that like of alcohol of drugs of just trying to escape the reality of feeling terrible all the time yeah so and here's it's all connected oh, that's why this is a social justice let, issue let, let, let me double down and make that even worse most people <laughs> don't even know they feel terrible most oh, of the time oh that is so true they i have don't yes. even no, that's Christy, heartbreaking. That is heartbreaking. Don't even know yeah. they feel until I took out like they've never felt any other. Because the toxins right. are coming so at you true. in every which way in your food, in your plastics, in your environment, Stimulus. in the stress, in the cortisol, marketing. in your own body, and <laughs> in marketing, and the yes, your phone alone, yes. your phone. Yes, the level of wow! You must always be available. Yes. Oh <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> right? Hashtag leave of absence. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I wasn't supposed That's to announce that. <laughs> but yeah, and I think again, honestly, stigma has so much to do with all of this, right? Like people yep. don't talk about shit. Like well, also, I think you can think that. It's just happening to you. And, of that you. and because no one talks about it, you just got to solve this problem on your own. And that's what is so refreshing to speak with either one of you is that 
you telling your story is helping everyone else be like, holy shit, that's me too. Holy shit, that's me. I can relate to something in your story that then is like, I'm not alone. Right. Absolutely. And so me not being able to access healthy food isn't my problem. And there is a system here that I'm working against, but there's also really good things happening places like I just want to tell everybody about this. Like, yeah. Which I'm so glad we're doing a podcast about it because. <laughs> so this has been so incredible. We do have to wrap up, but let's do two things. So there's one thing um, that we do at the end of every podcast, which is to talk about something that we love about our body, because obviously that's really hard. Whew. I know, <laughs> but it gets us Whew. our brain in the right way of thinking about how we want to lead the world and walk about the world. Isn't with she the parts cruel? Of our body. <laughs> But also, you can, we'll give you a minute. It always provokes anxiety. Let us so know, like, let us um, what is it that you want people to know about? I know you told us a lot, but how can people support you, in other words, at the Family how Table How do people volunteer? Like, yeah. that's, so I think that would be good. Our website is familytablecollaborative.org. You can go on to volunteer. You can sign up. Um, we send out twice-weekly emails for with volunteer opportunities with that are all over the map, you know, because there's always things to do. You know, we're also looking at purchasing the property and building eight bedrooms of workforce housing. Mm. Um, we're looking at building a community, like, a t- I'm sorry, a community garden, a teaching and studio <sighs> kitchen. There's so many things we want to do. So, of course, the capital campaign to purchase the building, yeah. you know, everyone hates to talk about money. You and I hate fundraising. <laughs> but it's just, <laughs> Send us your money. I'm out of that. <laughs> um, so um, that's, you know, that's always a thing. Um, and then you also, we give you plenty of ways to interact with us because what we're working towards is becoming a self-sustaining nonprofit. Once we purchase the property and once we do the renovations, we actually have the ability to pay for the day-to-day operations and cover the cost of running the collaborative. And that's really, to me, we're building a resource that Cape Cod will have for decades to come. And it's kind of the nutritional hub. I view it as the nutritional hub of Cape Cod. And to me, it's like my personal hug to the community. And in all fairness, you know, people ask me all the time how and why I do what I do. Here's the deal. Cape Cod rebuilt me. Mm. I feel I owe a debt of gratitude to this place that I will never be able to repay. Cape Cod rebuilt me. So I am here trying to do good work, um, build good things, meet, you know, meet my people. I have a tribe now. Tribe. So exciting. Yay. You're part of the Fit Fat Tribe. <laughs> so exciting. Fit Fat Tribe. Yes. <laughs> uh, and we all love doctors that tell us uh, that it's okay to be fat. <laughs> oh, my um, God. Seriously. Yeah, as, as, uh, this is something Chrissy and I mentioned at the beginning, that neither one of us will ever fit on any chart that, no. you know, the weight, height chart um, should <laughs> nope. be. That should definitely be thrown die. out with the bath that water. Die. <laughs> seriously. Maybe not the baby, but the weight. My chart should definitely, the, the BMI index of, Yo, yeah. of what's acceptable should be thrown out. Um, so, yeah, so, so I don't know. Like, you know, you can interact with us because you can hold events in our space. We cater. Saturday, September 17th from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m., um, we are having the inaugural Bass River Multicultural Food Festival. Ooh, it is going to be so fun. Wow. And it's in conjunction with the Cultural Center and us. There's going to be all sorts of foods from around the world made locally. We're going to have a food truck in between us. We're going to have some salsa We lessons. are talking microbiome diversity like you've never seen before wow salsa african drumming wow cooking demonstrations it's gonna be so fun your microbiome will thank you (laughs) you can find your you can find your tickets uh 25 in advance 30 dollars at the door they include all of the food that's being offered at both locations what a bargain seriously you cannot go through the mcdonald's drive-thru without spending that much money so (laughs) that is way better use of you're going to like the stuff yes. we have to offer. There's going to be so many fun things. And so you can find tickets at BassRiverFoodFestival.com. And, or you can come tomorrow and check it out. And, you know, it's going to be super fun. Great day. But it is uh, what Molly and I have, Molly and I like to say, it's what we have cooked up together. Oh, <laughs> oh, I <see> there. <laughs> and it is our hug to the community. It's that might get a showcase. <laughs> <laughs> it's our way to showcase some really amazing things right at Bass River in South Yarmouth. And uh, we plan on growing it year after year. 
Um, but we hope you join us tomorrow. But things like this, collaborate, collaborate, collaborate. Yep. This is how we get this done. This, this is, is how we do fix it. the world. I love these women. Nobody, what's the language? I can't pull it back, this but it's so good. It's in my head. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> hilarious, hilarious. Okay, so I want to answer, oh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and answer the question. Okay. Because as somebody who has definitely dealt with body body image issues her whole life. I think that the thing I, I don't know that it's a thing, but the, 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 a, a body part, but the thing I appreciate after everything I've gone through is the body's ability to heal and yes. morph and show up even when you are working against mm-hmm. it. So I think that that innately kind of gives me hope. So, you know, I have always been pretty self-critical. Um, you know, boobs are counted as fat. That just sucks. <laughs> <laughs> that is right. that who, do, who do we what? petition to get oh that changed? That is some so bullshit. <laughs> that is some bullshit. I mean, that's an asset. <laughs> what, is, what is that? People like that. I don't know. So, you know, it's hard because if somebody grew I up think as all like, of us would agree. Yeah. That like, that needs to change. Yeah. <laughs> That's some serious bullshit. But, like, but, you know, somebody asked me the other day if I was going to do the salsa lessons. I was like, honey, these hips don't lie. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm not teaching them. I don't have that skill. Molly is, though. But, you know, you might see me just for shits and giggles <laughs> get out there and entertain people by, <laughs> by yes. trying to take a salsa lesson. So I hope, I hope to see you all tomorrow well salsa lessons like salsa and chips i could do that <laughs> nope, dance, 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 dance. We're you can wrap salsa this whole thing in culture and arts and music it's gonna be so fun wow so the body's ability to heal is there anything you want to say about that ayana <laughs> well yeah, yeah well i was gonna next. say my yeah. womb yes because the whole fibroid thing and um that's happening in my body, but um, well, people might not know about that. If you want to give them a little bit of, well, I didn't want to get too deep into you it, but to, like yeah. I do have some health issues, mm. so there are five words on my uterus, and um, they're really super uncomfortable and painful, and make you like tired and make you bleed and do all these gross things, and your body just is like exhausted. So I'm currently in an exhaustion state, but I did a womb healing, which was incredible, um, at Two Feathers and Sandwich, which I didn't know was a fucking thing, and I'm a healer and all that, and it was just amazing. But um, what I learned was more like, one, the body can certainly heal itself, and it has what it needs to, but like it also will tell you no. Like, you are doing too much, and no, and whether it's fibroids or something else, to slow my fucking ass down, (laughs) which often (laughs) needs to slow down and take care of myself, that it will do things that will force that regardless, right? So I had to to do that. Um, But there's a whole nother level to the womb when you think about, like, what you're shedding, what you're letting go of, what you're rebirthing, (laughs) Mm. (laughs) how you mother yourself. So those are um, things that I'm thinking about, writing about, talking about. Um, and nutrition actually has a lot to do with, uh, as you know, inflammation, but also taking care of yourself, how you feed your exhaustion, in other words, counteract that. Um, you got to feed your body and you soul. Gotta, okay. Right, yeah, mm-hmm. it's all connected. So, yeah, I'm just trying to, and then there's a little practice that they gave me that I can um, do a little ceremony with my womb that I've been doing every day. It's like a little womb meditation. I know, this is crazy wow. talk. No, I know, not. it's so cool. It's not crazy at all. It's so, it's very That's cool. That's just certain chakra, right? Yeah. Your root. Your root and the sacral. Yeah. It's root and sacral. Yeah, but I've been, um, it's helping me to really mother myself in ways that if you've, you've had ex- to connect with it like yeah. never before huh? Ne- right, right right like never i mean like, not whoa. maybe not never but no i mean myself yeah. personally never have had to like care for myself on this level in this way that's like so intimate mm-hmm. so as much as it's painful and i'm tired i'm actually really grateful <laughs> yeah <laughs> taking some time off yeah how about you me wow it's just so interesting to hear like you know the it's all a spectrum. Like some people are on the good side of the spectrum. Some people are starting the spectrum of 
taking care of ourselves. I'm kind of in the middle of it. But I think I am. So I've taken a couple classes lately here with Kaylin, who we had on our last episode. And she did a squat clinic and um, some strength training. And this is a whole new area for me because I'm a dancer. And um, what I realize is over time when I'm doing all dance, 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 you're only using muscles in a certain way. And if you're not using them properly, you're actually creating imbalances in the body. And so I've taken a look at that because I've got inflammation and I've addressed it with food first, but now I'm looking to muscles and there's new research out there that's probably been there all along, but how important muscle development is for aging and for nutrition and how nutrition play into plays with muscle development. So I'm taking a little bit of a less focus on aerobic exercise. I still think it's important. I still think it brings me joy, but I'm also trying to find joy. And what I hate is creating muscle because it's painful. Um, But there's like this pain that is when you know there's going to be growth that I think is healthy for me to face at this point and that I have the ability to face right now. So uh, that I'm grateful for a little bit of muscle development. It's coming along. You Dude, know you what? you look it's, fucking great. It's easier to do. If you had a basis <laughs> when you were a kid and you developed muscle, it's easier to bring it back. I never really had that growing mm, up. So I am developing it now where I never even had it to begin with. So it's a lot harder, but I see the challenge in it. And I'm like, that's my new challenge. That's my new thing I'm focusing on. So just gracefully and become a bodybuilder. <laughs> no, I'm, not, I'm probably not going to do that, but I admire people who do that. I think it's pretty cool. It's amazing. Yeah. So. The last thing I'll say is there is new research out. Um, so people can start to look at that, but it's brand new. And um it has now linked burnout to death, and the rates of that over the yep. past couple of years have increased astronomically, um, and it's in a situation where people are literally dying from work, overworking, and where science hasn't been able to trace that back before, because if you go to the hospital and, you, right, you're just tired, you're overwhelmed, you have fibroids, you have yeah. God knows what else in your body, cancer, all these things, because your stress. body, stress is just, huge. it's huge, so, but that research is, a lot of companies are having a look at that, but I just want to encourage people to take care of yourself, because the results, we always knew it. Again, this is something that you also can look at other countries around the yes. world. Yes, so Canada's the and first mm-hmm. one that did this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's several countries in Europe where have to take at least a th- one, like you get like six weeks off and you have to take at least three weeks together like yeah. because they believe that you need that amount of time. You do. To that is fully reset so proactive. And, fully like, and that's just it. It's like, mm-hmm. so it's like, hey, if we take better care of our people, they do better for they us. They do better, right. and they're way more effective with less cutting time. edge right there. I know. Right. <laughs> right. My God. News flash. Right. And this is, yeah. it goes back to healthier individuals yeah. create we, healthier communities. We're in this right. on this treadmill where we're reacting to everything instead of being proactive, even right. with the pandemic. And it's just, I think, hopefully, that's bringing this to light, and it is. our voices can bring it to light yeah. more. Yeah, being in a position where you can be proactive. It just doesn't seem to be part of our system. So but it has burnout to is a social justice issue, too. <laughs> Boom. Boom. Bitches. Mic drop. Mic drop. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good fucking episode, people. <laughs> I think that's yes. all we need. Thank you so much for coming on, Jenny. I was so excited to talk about social justice and food and the, how that is. And you just even brought it to more levels that I'm even understanding right now. Fit Fat Chat is produced by Lemonadio. When life gives you lemons, make radio. Encouraging everyone to listenhappier.com.